0: Welcome to this special edition of The Crunch, recorded live at RE Barcamp 2019. RE Barcamp is an informal unconvention focused on the free exchange of ideas where all attendees are encouraged to participate. Thanks to our speakers this year who contributed their time to the event, and please enjoy this special episode. Today I was asked to speak about something that I'm passionate about. And unlike going to most real estate conferences where they will um, talk to you about the practical things, like um, you know, if you door knock 30 houses around your listing, you will create an amazing pipeline. Um, that's true, but it's not what I'm passionate about. What I want to speak to you today about is um, about developing your personal leadership. And that's the leadership of yourself, And I'm going to share with you four habits that have helped me to uh, have a more enjoyable and more fulfilling life. Now, for those of you who don't know me, after 10 years of working in an advisory role in WA Parliament as an advisor to the Vice-Chancellor at one of the local universities, I decided to quit my job and focus on investing. This was back in 2006. Um, seven. Sorry, at the end of 2007, and within months of that decision, things went horribly wrong and the GFC happened. As it turned out, I lost a fair bit of money, and as I approached my 40th birthday, it was time to find a way of doing something that came naturally to me, connecting with people. I started in real estate in 2010 as a solo rep and was advised that it would take everything to get off the ground, like a 747 getting off the ground. And I quickly realised this was true. I set big goals. I became committed rather than interested. I made massive sacrifices. I did the work and I had the power. And after five years and countless awards, I had achieved enormous goals I had set for myself. But I was completely burnt out and really unhappy. I had really struggled to to juggle my family and my career despite having an incredibly supportive family and partner. I felt like I looked like I had it all, and uh, I did, but I was really unhappy, which isn't having it all. In fact, I was so unhappy that I'd convinced myself that on the assembly line where they made people, they must have run out of happy when I went past. And that's, they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that's when I was introduced to a kinesiologist, energy and mindset coach who helped to transform the way I think about the world and helped me to see that life and success really is an inside game. It's what goes on in your head and your heart that affects everything in your life. For me, this has meant being completely honest with myself about who I really am and what I really want. And most importantly, accepting who I am. Focusing on my strengths and special qualities and not giving too much power to my weakness, weaknesses, cutting the negative mind chatter. It meant acknowledging that in an industry where success is usually measured by GCI or number of sales or awards or days on market, the real success um, looks different to me now. And that you need to define your own self, for your own self, what real success looks like to you. And most importantly, you actually need to really like your successful self. So what I'm going to talk to you today about is personal leadership and specifically four habits that you can use to create a platform for a fulfilling life and career. Now, can I just ask, has anyone read, and this book was written before many of you were born, The success, um, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People? It's an incredibly relevant book, isn't it? And I think it's worth going back to. So that's what I've done today, is go back to a book that I found when I was a business school student 25 years ago um, because it has really helped inform the way that I live my life. And when I met my kinesiologist coach, uh, I realised that when you go back to this book that it will help change the way you feel. So uh, the four habits that I want to focus on today are uh, you are the answer, be proactive, visualize the life you want, which is begin with the end in mind, empathic listening, which is seek first to understand, and systems for self-care, sharpen the saw. And the reason that when I look at, the reason that I wanted to focus on this and personal leadership is that when I look at the questions that are plaguing the modern day real estate agent, how do I get a work-life balance? How can I deal with stress better? How do I run a cohesive team? and even, how do I get excited about real estate again? What I realized is focusing on the development of your personal leadership, your energy, and your mindset will go a long way to addressing the question and bringing lasting happiness and fulfillment, not just in business, but in life. It's not some quick fix gimmick. For most of us, it requires a deep and fundamental shift in the way we approach the world. It's something that develops over time. But if you do the work, just like the door knocking around your new listings, you'll find you have the power. And as I've experienced personally, when you get into alignment with who you really are and the fundamental principles that you choose to live by, everything becomes so much easier. And I think we heard from Nikki this morning that she really focuses on people being themselves. They come to work looking the way they wanna look, how they're comfortable. They're not out there trying to impress people and be somebody they're not. That when you get into that frame of actually being authentic and true to who you are, your ability to achieve and succeed will be massive. Richard Branson says, many assume that my business success has brought me happiness, but the way I see it, I'm successful because I'm happy. He says that most people spend their time doing, and he says that happiness is about being. Real long-term happiness and the ability to deal with challenge, challenge with the challenges that life throws at us really does come from being. It's personal leadership, lead, leading yourself, your thoughts, and your responses. So how do we just be? The first habit. The good news is you are the answer. Be proactive. You. Each one of you has the ability to change people's behavior. That's contrary to what we've always been taught. However, so how do you change people's behavior? You change people's behavior by the way you conduct yourself. For lasting change, you have to address your character, not just your behavior. You need to work from the inside out. Working on your character means working on your basic identity and belief system that affect the way you view the world, and understanding where to focus your energy. In The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey talks about two circles, the circle of concern and the circle of influence. Now, most people spend their time worried about the circle of concern. That's all the things that are going on out there, whether it's the market or your family, or all sorts of things that you have no control over. Family would definitely fall in that category, wouldn't it? (laughs) Um, But those are all the things that you can't change. The circle of influence is the things that you can have an influence over. It's very logical. When you shift from blaming or complaining about what's happening to you, and looking looking at things that you cannot change, and shift your focus to looking on what you can change and what you can influence, That is where the magic happens. We all know that you can't change the cards that you're dealt, but you can change the way you respond. And in so doing, you will dramatically affect the way that you feel and the way the world responds to you. And this is true whether you're dealing with clients or team members or family. And when you start coming at things from a place of love and empathy and start focusing on your circle of influence, things really can change. Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I decided to test this theory myself a couple of years ago. As I had poured so much energy into succeeding in real estate, I was often late to pick up my kids and often distracted when I was with them. There's nobody else in here who would have experienced that. (laughs) As a result, one of my children, not the one who's here today, hated me and she hated me doing real estate it had caused a massive lack of trust in our relationship we were going interstate for her to compete in swimming nationals it was all about her and it was just the two of us and i decided as the plane was landing that i was going to do an experiment for the next six days that experiment would be that i would engage meaningfully with every single person i would come into contact with Starting, of course, with my daughter. (laughs) And with every ticket booth operator, shop assistant, hotel staff member, waiter, checkout chick, you name it, I was committed to engaging meaningfully. I decided to be fully present. No phone in hand. I still had the phone in my bag. (laughs) No impatience in the queue. Just be happy and relaxed to see what it would feel like. I decided that I would randomly smile at people and use people's names when I thanked them for helping me. The payoff for this exercise in being fully present, engaged and grateful was a pivoting moment that changed my life. I was truly amazed by the difference in how I experienced the world and how the world responded to me. It was way more beautiful. It was pure magic. You see, when you take the time to engage people, People feel your interest and they feel your energy. People were kinder, the world was more beautiful, and amazingly, this cost nothing. What surprised me more than anything was most importantly, the incredible impact that it had on my relationship with my daughter, and that continues today. So that's the first thing. If you change the way you are, then you will change the way you experience the world, and you really are the answer. Secondly, uh, begin with the end in mind. Visualise what you desire. Do do people visualise? Do you practise visualising? Yeah? What do you visualise? Um, well, normally I visualise the things that I want in the day, so there's certain sales of things that I'm working towards. Yep. And, but I've also been very kind of on a fitness track lately, so yep. visualise my body. Yep. <laughs> How you want it to be. What about you, James? What do you visualise? A full night's sleep? Exactly. A full night's sleep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, visualize um, what quality time on like of my time. Yep. Anyone else want to share? What do you visualize? Frank? Sword stickers. Sword stickers, that's what I visualise. That's one of the things I seriously I do. I visualize sitting down, signing the contract, putting the sword sticker up, all of those things. And the reason that visualizing is important, and I'm only touching on this briefly, Briefly, is what you can imagine and dream, your ability to visualize is an incredibly powerful habit to manifest the way that you want your life to look. When you can actually see yourself living the life you want or achieving the outcomes you want, as I said, I do this with sword stickers, you are programming your brain for your desired outcome. You you don't need to be attached to the outcome when you do that. You just need to visualize and put it out there for the universe to do its work. And Flo, you'd know that. <laughs> um, the third habit that I wanted to talk about was seek to understand. Seek first to understand. Ever, has, have people followed that habit? Seeking first to understand. Because mm? for me, with clients and with everyone, it is it's one of the most powerful habits. And the reason I wanted to do this because uh, talk about this one is because with your clients, but also. What it's about, Seeking First to Understand, is about growing relationships. From leadership lectures to parenting podcasts, we are continuously reminded that people need to feel listened to and heard. And I think this is really powerful with your clients. Seeking First to Understand is about creating those meaningful relationships and playing the long game. It becomes not about sales, but about helping people and making a difference. And it can be incredibly useful in handling stress. Our jobs and our lives as agents, business owners, parents and children are inherently stressful. Seeking first to understand is a great way to approach stress and conflict. This means looking at at things from someone else's perspective, putting yourself in their shoes, listening to understand, not to respond, and listening to acknowledge. But it doesn't necessarily mean taking on their problems. When someone is attacking, or dumping, or being nasty, the best way to deal with this is to seek to understand. Why would they feel that way? When, and when appropriate, to acknowledge, and I say this, to acknowledge to yourself, not to them, that the issue that they have is really about them. It's about what's going on in their world, how they are choosing to see and be in the world. Now, I think we would all know with our clients, there's often, they tell us they're selling because they're upsizing or downsizing or whatever it is. We have no idea what's going on in their life. Even clients where you've been, you've known them for a long time. So when they're, you know, delivering all that rubbish to you or they're not happy or stuff's going on, I think seeking first to understand and acknowledge their perspective um, is a really good way for you, when they're saying that you're not doing the right thing and that... This is about what's going on in their life. You're there to help them and to listen, but also to give advice. So when a client is being difficult or unkind, what I do, and this is, I think, it's a strategy that's very effective for me. But what I do, when people are dumping stress on me and their problems, I pretend that I've got a glass vase and that they're handing over to me all that stress and rubbish in the glass vase, and I very carefully take it, but I put it down beside me and so visually I actually see myself taking it on but it's not my problem so I put it beside so you're acknowledging and respecting what they're going through even if you don't know what they're going through but you don't take it on because I think in our job we there's so much uh, stress whether it's financial relationship monetary um, that by doing that it allows you to continue being in yourself Happy in yourself, kind, steady, and living within the habits and values that you embody, without responding or rather reacting to the way that they're being. So I don't know if that's useful to anyone, but um, it certainly it, it works for me. Uh, the fourth um, habit uh, to be able to perform at, is sorry systemizing for self self care for success, to be able to perform at a consistently high level if that's your goal, or I guess at any level, you need to be organized both physically and mentally. You need to take time out to organize yourself. So the last of the habits that I want to share is about creating a system for organized self-care, both in your business and personally. This will help provide balance and regular opportunities for renewal. On the business side, and I think Ben's covered those things really well, um, I created my own productivity planner that I use, which includes something like, I don't know if people are using the Tom Panos checklist, but it's something um, that I use, Which and then I do another one, which is a weekly review, and I keep my budget for the year and my goals all written down um, with my call sheets, and I carry it around with me, and that's a really good way for me to know that I'm focused on my business, I'm tracking the numbers because I am a bit of a numbers tracker, Um, but I've got that all under control and there's a system for it. On the personal side, these these are the things that I do to keep mentally fit. I use this five-minute journal. Now, I'm just gonna share with you. This is a great, does anybody have this? Oh, you do. (laughs) Um, So the five-minute journal is a great um, journal that you know, it gives some background you know, in the normal motivational way. Oh, beginning with the end in mind. Um, but it's not numbered, so it's not like a diary where you have to follow every day and you feel guilty if you don't. Um, it's got a quote at the beginning of every day, and then it's got three lines for you to write three things that you are grateful for. Now, does anybody write a gratitude journal? Nobody? Just, well, you don't necessarily need to do it consistently, but just as an aside, That when I went through the hardest years and those years with my, um, just when I was at that sort of turning point, keeping a gratitude journal, uh, writing down every day. This only calls for three, but I was doing 10 because I'm a bit of an overachiever. No, (laughs) No, but I did 10 because there is so much to be grateful for even in your darkest days, the fact that you've got shelter, the fact you've got water, the fact that there are people, uh, even if they don't feel like they're being nice to you, um, when they are supportive or you're not receiving the information in the right way. But if you write the things that, for example, I would write things like, I have control over my own choices. I, um, you know, I can go for a walk, I, I have fresh air, all those sort of things, I can, I can make choices about how I structure my life, what I do with my time. And if you write those things every day, then when you come to those dark days and you sit down either in the morning or I was doing it at night to write down um, what you're grateful for and you flip back through those pages, you realize that even in the darkest days, there is so much to be grateful for. Anyway, so they only have three lines here, but it's a good way to start your day. Um, And then it says, what would make today great? Now, these are things that, not like if I sell the property, uh, because you don't have control over whether you sell the property. But if you get, you might write down, if I can get in front of the vendor to sell the property. Um, So three things that would make today great. And then daily affirmation, who writes affirmations? Yeah, a couple of you. So Daily Affirmations is really powerful because, again, it's about visualising and programming yourself to remind yourself about who you are and what's important to you. And, again, not huge. I mean, the benefit of this journal is that you can... It's, it can be as little or as big as you want. You know, you can start small. And then at the end of the day, you focus on three things that were amazing that happened today and how could I have made today even better. And just on the gratitude journal, how could I have made today even better? Often at night, I would write down things like, um, I'm happy for the challenges that I faced today, today, and that they provide me with an opportunity to try again tomorrow. And so it can be, you know, you can set yourself up at night for the next day. So that's the five-minute journal. Uh, Working out in the morning, fresh air and exercise. Now I know that we have some serious runners in the room, but you don't have to be a serious runner. Um, When I went to a health retreat earlier this year, 30 minute walk in the morning. That's all you need to do to get that fresh air, to have some freedom to think and and just get a bit of exercise. Um, Daily visualizing and manifesting. It's true, it works. The manifesting works, think about what you want. No drinking Mondays to Thursdays, which is not hard for me. I'm a light drinker. Um, plenty of greens in my diet. I actually love the green vegetables. Weekly fortnightly coaching session. How many people in the room have a coach? Just a couple, yeah. We were just talking at the break earlier with Fleur. The thing is, you don't necessarily need a coach. I mean, coach is good. I've got one. Um, And I've always had one from, from probably six months into my career I got coach. But the thing is that there are people in this room, you don't need to go interstate or internationally. There are other people working in the same field who you can connect with Who will give you a hand you know and they're the kind of people who are going through the same kind of things that you're going through so i'd I'd strongly encourage you if you don't have a coach to connect with someone who's maybe outside or even inside your business who you can sort of have that uh, a bit of a relationship with that supports one another Um, for me something like fortnightly or maybe even weekly massages is um, one of the things that really helps me to recover from the stress um, and going to health retreat or nature holiday, usually with my children, um, and really trying to put the phone down. And that was the other thing that we talked about at the break. I mean, I've just set up this business on my own, um, and I'm very lucky that the um, my business manager, she has her licence uh, or sales registration, so it was only 10 days after I set up the business that I had to go on holiday. Um, It was a holiday that had been booked long in advance for my 50th birthday, and she was able to do the job um, of showing a buyer through, and we actually sold the property while I was away, which was amazing. But what I had thought before um, I knew that she could do that, there are other agents in the room, perhaps, who I could have called upon to ask them to show a buyer through the property. So even if you're on your own, work with other people and build those relationships Okay, so I, I, I mentioned to Alana at the beginning that I want to share some really um, easy uh, things that you could implement. So I've just put these under systemizing for self care and I'll just go through with them. These are things that some of them might be simple and you're already doing them, but I just thought to share with people, nobody suggested some of these things to me. The first was about being organized. Organize a real estate agent's first day kit in your car, in, the bo- you know, in a shoe box with the essentials, doorstop, blue text. Um, scissors, tape. Do people do that? Yeah. Everybody do that? Okay, maybe I was the only one who didn't. Um, but it, I found it really powerful, um, and especially those door stops. Get a credit card. So do you have a credit card that you just use for business expenses? Yep. Most, most people, once they get organised, they can. But especially now that you can dump your credit card statement into an Excel spreadsheet at tax time, that's very effective. Decide on your desired goals and create a template for determining what actions you need to take and tracking and measuring your success. Do the thing, have the power. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, find a buddy to share accountability with. So, you know, holding each other accountable, what they say is when success is me- measured, um, when, when your results are measured, results improve, but when they're measured and shared, they improve exponentially. And Ben might have found that. Um, Understand measure your expenses and your personal and team's profitability. This is a big one, and it's not really um, I haven't covered it at all today, but I think one of the biggest things is that in our industry, everybody always focuses on how much G- GCI are you writing. They never focus. Um, although Ben sounds like he is focusing on it, because he's leaning on the company to do all the admin side. But being profitable is not just about growing your income stream, but it's about how you manage and structure your business. And so, if you're bringing on, um, if you're bringing on a number of people to run your team, but your profitability is going down, then it might be okay because you might want to have more time off. It really depends on what your goals are. But what uh, I think is that when people just focus on that GCI number or the volume of sales or the dollar value, they're missing the whole point. If you talk to business people, they are all about profitability. And when I say that, I'm not talking about not caring about your clients and being numbers driven, because I'm, I'm not driven to get those numbers to make a lot of money. Money is not something that drives me. Um, It's something that I need and that I enjoy, Um, but it's not the driver. I think, though, if you're going to do the work, you want to maximise your profitability and I think also the enjoyment of the people who are working with you, because if you're not making a lot of money, then it's often not fun because you don't have the resources to do the things that will create that environment that makes people happy. Uh, Creating a WhatsApp group with their sellers, is this something that anybody does? So um, the reason I say, yeah, a few of you, um, it's no surprise. Uh, WhatsApp groups are really effective. You know how many text messages we get every day? If you set up a WhatsApp group with your sellers and your admin people who are involved in the listing process, it's a really easy way to keep communication flowing. For example, the seller wants to know why the signboard hasn't gone up yet, and they text you. I don't know why the signboard hasn't gone up. Has it been ordered? I have no idea. But if we have it in a WhatsApp group, it allows... Sophia, who's running the admin side of the business, to respond and say it was ordered yesterday, they promised it'll be up by lunchtime today. So it allows you to free you up for the, not the conversations that you don't need to have, but the things that aren't really within your realm of of knowledge. And it also keeps you informed of what, you know, the seller is, is saying or doing or worried about so that you can keep that business flowing. Uh, number seven is create a journal. Uh, Number eight, spend a few days or hours practising being totally present. You don't need to take six days, um, but if you do, you might find it very valuable. Um, Stop and engage with every individual you meet. Um, And I think that thing about smiling at people or using people's names when you go to the cafe. So at the cafe I go to every morning, there are often a lot of different people. I don't know how many staff they have, but every morning when they ask me if I'm having, you know, what my name is with my coffee, I say, Steph, and I say, what's yours? and they're just completely shocked because nobody's ever asked them what their name is. Um, Or the guy says, uh, regular size coffee. I say, yes, I am. And it's just, it creates that sense of a bit of fun and more engagement for them than just taking people's number every day. You're acknowledging them as a human. Fresh air and exercise clears your mind. And the last one is be kind. It's free. Uh, One of my favourite ways of being kind (laughs) is letting people pass uh, at a crosswalk. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're from elsewhere, I don't know what your experience is, but in Perth, people put cars first. They drive through a roundabout, you know, you get to the roundabout, there's somebody waiting to cross, and everybody keeps going. Or there's a crosswalk, and they try and sneak their car through. If you stop, like, 10 metres back from the crosswalk and say, go, and you smile at them, it changes both the way that they feel, because they can't believe somebody stopped, and it changes the way you feel. So... Last thing is, just in conclusion, there's a saying that the roots create the fruit. By focusing on your personal growth, development, and leadership transformation, you can position yourself to have a more fulfilling and happier life. Thank you go. Any questions? <laughs> She's had a lot of work for me. Anyone else? Yeah, Shane. Since you've opened the business, what's been the challenge you didn't expect? Challenge I didn't expect. One of (coughs) many no doubt. Yeah, look, actually, to be honest, it's been, um, it's actually been pretty smooth. Um, I think that... um, Yeah, it's actually been pretty smooth. Developing the brand was very stressful. Um, Deciding on the name was hugely stressful because you. Oh, thank you. It took a long time. Um, The name, actually, I'll just share because there is a story behind it. Um, I had looked at a property long before I was getting ready to leave, and um, it uh, or went long before I was thinking about leaving and um, doing my own thing. And this house came, I told my partner that I wanted, he he monitors commercial real estate. And so I told him that I wanted, we went and looked at a very gray real estate agency type office and I came out sort of feeling depressed saying that is not what I want. I want a heritage house with high ceilings that's white and light and bright. The next morning he sends me a picture of this um, sort of pinky red heritage house. Um, and I, so I was like, yeah, we should go have a look at it. And we went to have a look at it. And the agent said, look, we've got somebody's putting in a lease application today. So you're going to miss out unless you go straight away. And I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not even sure I'm going to go. I just was really, you know, just like a buyer scoping before they're ready, um, and making the decision. So drove by this and the house is in a location that's perfect for my business. So drove by. So we left, and a week later, they, I got my partner to call the agents. The, he said, "Yep, yeah, it has leased," And I was like, okay, no worries. And then about a week later, I drove by, and there was no lease sign-up. And I thought, oh, I'm going to find out if it's still available. And we called, and they said, no, no, they've signed a lease. Um, I said, well, ask him for how long. And he's like, two years. And I was like, okay, well, we've got two years then. <laughs> um, and then uh, they painted it white. And I just went, oh, my God, they're making it for me. And I literally said this. I said, they're making it for me. Like, and this is why I say the power of visualization. I don't know if it's true or not, but it might as, you might as well go with it if it seems to work for you. So I said, they're making it for me. And he, um, he didn't say anything. And then I drove by probably three or four months later, and the front door was open, and the archway was showing. I could see they'd put new lights in. And I said, call the agent again. Now, <laughs> you're going to be, you know, he, the agent's going to think he's a pest. Anyway, he called the agent, and the agent said, mate. There they there the long term. I'll see if I can find you something else. Anyway, right when I was getting ready to make the decision that I was going to go, the agent calls my partner and says, hey, not sure if you, you can help, but these people need out of their lease. And I'm like, I love helping people. That's what I specialize in. And they've made it for me. So, um, yeah, that was one of the turning points where I ended up getting it. And then so I spoke to my kinesiologist and we were like, what am I going to name it? And I said, this was like, I was like, I think I'm going to get the White House. And she said, the White House, that's it, the White House. And then I went down a different journey because it seemed a bit odd um, to call it White House. And then um, so I spoke to a naming branding woman who put all the... I spent a lot of money trying to get some clever name. And I kept saying to her, I just keep coming back to White House. And she was like, nah, it's too obvious. And I'm like, but my background's politics, advising and negotiating. It's a beautiful White Heritage House that my property's going in. I live in a White House. My partner's just built a White House. Like, it's clean and bright and light, which is exactly what I want my brand to be. I want it to feel approachable and open. And she said, nah. And I was like, another friend had said to me, when I said to her I was gonna speak to a naming expert, she said, honey, you have it inside of you. You know what it should be, you don't need to go there. But I felt like I needed to go down that process in order to find, you know, again, it's about finding out who are you really. Then right before uh, I was about to go with a branding company, I said to the guy, I've got all these names, I'm not sure which one, but the one I came up with is White House. And he said, that's the one. And he said, you know, that's where people want, where they go when they're getting ready to move, they want white and light and bright and clean. So then um, I worked with my kinesiologist and we came up, because so many names are taken, came up with Property Partners, uh, which is really about uh, partnering with the clients to, you know, through that journey. So yeah, and it's been well received. So thank you. Any other questions? <coughs> nope. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I just wanted to ask. I know you thought about going out on your own for a while yeah. before you actually did. It. What? What was the moment? What was the that moment? You yeah. Look, that's a really good um, question, and I will say that for um, I did have a uh, a lovely franchise chasing me for a long time, and um, my partner is a businessman, and so when he came on the scene, um, I thought I could probably do it with him rather than even though it'd be my business, but. Um, the pivotal moment was really probably approaching my 50th birthday. So and I, the reason I mentioned those um, significant birthdays is there are different stages in your life when you need different things. And obviously when your children are young, um, your decisions are different. I always loved beautiful cars. It was just a silly thing that I had when I was a kid. Um, and, um, and I remember driving past the billboard that had a beautiful convertible on it when I was doing a public sector job. And I thought, one day, but it's not now. And that was when I had young children because I, I wanted to do a job that was steady and secure. So for my 40th birthday, um, as I was approaching that, the gift that I gave myself was that I had done a lot of writing and jobs advising, but very structured report writing. And that that wasn't what really came naturally to me, talking to people and connecting people was. And I had some experience um, with one of the real estate companies, and I was like, actually, I think I'm going to do what comes naturally to me. And so that's when I went into real estate. And like um, Christina, I wasn't born to be a real estate agent. Do you want to just answer it? (laughs) That's okay. Um, so, I wasn't destined to um, be a real estate agent. In fact, my dad was a salesman, and I really didn't want to be a salesman um, because he talked a lot, which I guess is why I like to listen. Um, and so, I decided to give it a go and um, do something that I was good at. And then, so I did that for almost 10 years, and with that 50th birthday looming, I thought I can either keep selling. Um, And the truth is, you can make more money, that's what everybody tells me, just working as an agent, and obviously you can just focus on the sales. But for me, I felt like the world was bigger than that, that I wanted, personal growth is really important, and I wanted to have a crack both at running a business and, you know, being a more effective leader and running a team. And I have two daughters who are 21 and 19, and... I think for a lot of it, like obviously I've had that success that's measured by rankings, um, and I just thought if I'm too scared, not because I don't want to do it. I knew in my heart that I wanted to do it. But if I'm too scared to do it, then where do we get female role models for people? So I sort of thought for my own kids and for other women who want to have a crack, that at least if I had a crack, even if I failed, that at least I had had the crack. Um, So it was really that 50th birthday, just right there, was um, a line in the sand for me to make a decision. How do I want to spend the next 10 years? And what kind of, I guess, legacy and experience do I want to have over those years? Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love any feedback or guest suggestions. So hit me up on Instagram. You can find me on Jess at crib. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to tell a friend.